0: Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and for the next half hour, I hope we can just clear our minds of all the garbage that we've heard today about the world and what's going on in our nation and nations around us, and just think about what truth is. Allow the truth to permeate our lives and to guide and direct us in the decisions that we have to make. I only know one source of truth, and that's the Bible. We can have a lot of ideas, a lot of feelings, a lot of opinions, but opinion doesn't bring truth. The truth comes from God alone, and we need to know what God says and respond to it if we're gonna be right. Recently, I was reading an article about quotes of famous people, and Lady Gaga, who is a musician, wrote this. It is your right to choose what you do and don't do to choose what you believe in and don't believe in. It's your right to curate your life and your own perspective. Well, that may sound good, but it's not very wise. See, the bottom line really is there is a truth, and that truth comes from God, and I need to adjust my life to it. When you live in a world where each person does what's right in their own eyes, there's going to be a lot of trouble. Tonight, I want to talk about what repentance really is. As we think about repentance in the Bible, you get people that talk about it from a lot of different angles. Some people think repentance is just feeling really sorry for your sin. Some people think repentance is making decisions where you're not gonna sin anymore. Some people think repentance is you fill in the blank, whatever you think. I do know that there is no salvation apart from repentance. And we should know what the word means in the scripture. There's no way that we can play games with God and act like we're thinking differently when we're not thinking differently. And sometimes our lives actually demonstrate the fact that we're not thinking differently. When you look at the word repentance in the Bible, it actually does mean to think differently. It doesn't mean to have sorrow. However, it doesn't mean that if you're thinking differently, you're not going to have sorrow. I'm not sure you can judge whether you're repenting or not by the sorrow you have, though. Let me read a passage to you in Second Samuel, verses 24, verses 1 to 17. This is where David does something he shouldn't do, and God punishes him for it. Yet David asked God to forgive him. Let me read it to you. 2 Samuel 24, 1-17 Again the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who is with him, Go through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and number the people, that I may know the number of the people. But Joab said to the king, May the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of my Lord the king still see. But why does my Lord the king delight in this thing? But the king's word prevailed against Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. They crossed the Jordan, and began from Ar to from the city that is in the middle of the valley toward Gad, and on to Jazer. Then they came to Gilead and Kadesh, in the land of the Hittites, and they came to Dan. From Dan they went around to Sidon. And they came to the fortress of Tyre, and to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. And they went out to the Negeb of Judah at Beersheba, So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. And Joab gave the sum of numbering of the people to the king. In Israel there were eight hundred thousand valiant men who drew the sword, and men of Judah were five hundred thousand. But David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people. Let me pause here. David was not to number the people. He was disobeying God. I would suggest that God never wants us to get to a position where we trust what he gives us over him. Looking at the number of soldiers that we have could tempt us to be trusting the soldiers rather than God, our own strength rather than God. I know when I'm helpless, I tend to sit before God and come to him and spend a lot of time with him. But there are other days where I feel empowered, and honestly, on some of those days, I ignore God until he brings me to a helpless state again. See, I tend to forget that everything I have is from God. Everything, my health, my food, my sleep, everything that's good that comes to my life comes from God. So after David numbered the people, he felt badly about it. That's not too unusual for those that know Jesus, that know what he says and disobey, that sin. They feel badly after they're they're sinning. So let me read this, verse ten, but David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people, and David said to the Lord, "I have sinned greatly in what I have done, but now, Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done it very foolishly now th- that's interesting. he felt badly, and what he really asked God to do is to take away that bad feeling, to take away the guilt that he had. He really didn't necessarily admit that he was wrong, he didn't really. Repent in a way. But he didn't like living in guilt. So it was like, God, would you please remove that guilt from me? And David arose, verse 11, in the morning, and the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David, Thus says the Lord, Three things I offer you. Choose one of them, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him, and said to him, Shall three years of famine come unto your land? Or, will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or, shall there be three days of pestilence in your land? Now consider and decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of man. Verse 15. So the Lord sent pestilence on Israel from morning until the appointed time. And there died of the people of Dan and Beersheba seventy thousand men. And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from calamity and said to the angel who was working destruction among the people, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And as the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Anurah the Jebusite, then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. I would suggest to you that in that passage, that's where repentance took place, where David finally saw the consequences of his actions. Our actions always are going to affect other people in our lives. They're always going to affect those we love, those we have authority over, those that are in our lives that we're providing for. Our actions are going to affect them. Our actions may even affect those we see on the way to work or those that we work with on a regular basis. See, those who know God and walk with God realize that when I sin, when we sin, our sin not only affects our lives but everybody around us. Now, you might sit there and say, well, that's not fair. No, that's very consistent with the idea of love. When God gave man a choice, which is the key factor in loving, the choice has to be real, and therefore the consequences have to be real. He can't give us choices and then make the choices irrelevant. Otherwise, the choices are meaningless. The choices that I make in life are relevant. Now back to the idea of repentance. In the beginning here, David did something he shouldn't have done. He was even told by his soldiers that he shouldn't do it, but he did it anyway because he had the authority to do it. It was almost, and I don't know because I can't get into his head, but it's almost as if David was saying, I know it's wrong, but God is gracious and merciful, and I'll just ask for forgiveness, and we'll go on from there. I'm going to do what's wrong. Is pretty much what he was saying. And then I'll ask forgiveness later. Well, why did he want to count them? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Again, the only reason I can think of is possibly to trust them and not be close to God. But as he counted them, he started to feel guilty about it. When it was all finished, he felt guilty. And that's what he wanted erased. He just wanted the shame or the guilt erased. That's not repentance. God gave him some options. This is what's going to happen because of your disobedience. And those who are in leadership, their disobedience affects a lot more people than you would recognize. Their their disobedience can be very, very influential in the lives of many in a negative way. And David, his disobedience cost 70,000 men their lives. These are the same men he was going to trust in. Perhaps these were the most valiant warriors that they had. I don't know. It doesn't say. But 70,000 people died because of his disobedience. Your choices do matter. And when David finally saw that, again, I think here's where the repentance took place. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angels striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned. There's repentance right there. I have done wrong. I have done wickedly, he says it twice, but these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand go against me in my father's house. That is thinking differently now. Before it was all about David and what he wanted to do, and now he's thinking differently. Now here's the problem that I think we have with repentance. We think that if we do repent, that we act differently all the time. Now, you would think that you would act differently if you honestly repent. But acting differently could be a show for people. For example, when David started this whole thing, he did something that was wrong, and then he went through the process of looking like he repented. Well, he wasn't really repenting. Eventually, he did repent. It didn't turn around the 70,000 men that died, but he did repent. He thought differently. He realized that he was wrong. I think as you read the Bible, one of the simplest things that you can understand is repentance means, I am not thinking correctly, I need to think differently. And quite honestly, if you're going to think differently, you're going to act differently. Those two things actually go together. However, we're always careful to talk about thinking differently because if we start talking about acting differently, we start to fuel the Pharisaical ideas, the look at me kind of ideas. I am doing repentance, I'm doing whatever it is so that God could forgive me. That isn't what it's about. I need to go through my life realizing that God is always right. And when I choose to go against him, I am wrong and I need to come to him and admit that I am wrong. In the Bible, first John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That verse talks about confessing our sins. It doesn't talk about if those feel sad enough about their sins, if, if they go back and, and make amends to all of those they sinned against. I mean, how do you go back and make amends to 70,000 families? You see, you, you can't necessarily do that. But we put all kinds of qualifiers in there. The honest truth is we need to adjust our mind to think like God thinks, and we can do that as we stay in God's Word. And when we don't think right and we don't think about the truth, we need to confess that we're not thinking correctly. Not only that, I think we need to realize that when we confess, we're not always overly sorry for the sin we did. When I was a kid and I would punch my brother or something, or you would punch your brother, and your mom might ask, now, I want you to, aren't you sorry you did that? My first response usually is no. You see, I did I know it was wrong? Yes, I did. Can I ask for forgiveness? I certainly can. But do I feel badly about it? Maybe not. See, I still need to grow up in that arena. Repentance has a lot of layers to it. But true repentance is really coming to God and saying, I am thinking incorrectly. I want to think correctly. And as we think correctly, eventually it has to happen. Our actions start to get in line with how we think. But that may not be how it starts. If I'm on a diet and I cheat on my diet and uh, I'm one who loves donuts. So let's say somebody brought me some donuts and I cheated and I ate all these donuts and enjoyed them. And then later I had to go home and confess to my wife that I cheated on the diet. And she might say, oh, I hope you're sorry you did that. My first thought would be, no, they were pretty good. I'm not overly sorry I ate those donuts. See, but what I need to be able to do is say, you know, I understand why we're on this diet. I understand that it's best for me not to eat the donuts. See, I need to repent and think differently, and eventually, as I think differently, I'm going to act differently. I obviously knew the donuts were not on the diet list, but deep down, I must have been convinced they aren't going to hurt me if I eat them. See, there needs to be some time where I can assimilate what's being said there. God is the one that works in our lives, and he's working in my life and in your life, if you're a believer, to bring us to the point where we should be repentance is part of it. We need to be really good repenters. We need to be able to get up and say, boy, I was wrong here, God. This is wrong. And and realize that that's where it starts. And understand, too, that we could put false sadness there, but that's not going to help anything. If you listen to Nighttime, you know I like going to gotquestions.org quite a bit, and I would encourage you, if you have an iPad or a computer, that you go and you get there because I think it's a wonderful place to go get information. GodQuestions.org We are not sponsored by uh, GodQuestions.org. We we do not um, necessarily endorse everything they write, but I love that tool, uh, GodQuestions.org, and I encourage you to use it. I want to read what they say about repentance. It says this, Technically, repentance is a change of mind, not turning from sin. The Greek word translated repentance is metanoa, and the meaning is simply a change of mind. In common usage, however, we often speak of repentance as turning from sin, and there's good reason for this. Repentance is often associated with salvation in Scripture. What happens when the Holy Spirit begins His work to bring a person to salvation? The Spirit gives the sinner a personal understanding, an infallible conviction, that the facts concerning his spiritual state are true. Those facts are his personal sin, the eternal punishment due him for his sin, the substitutionary nature of Jesus' is suffering for his sin, and the need for faith in Jesus to save him from his sin. From that convicting work of the Holy Spirit, the sinner repents. He changes his mind about sin, the Savior, and salvation. You can see that in John 16, 8, where it says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. See, when a repentant person changes his mind about sin, that change of mind naturally leads to a turning from sin. Now, we're not saying that people won't turn from sin. We're not saying that lives won't be different. If you say that you have faith in God, but you're always anxious and worried, I would question whether you have faith in God. I would question whether you know God or you don't know God, because if you really knew God and you really had faith in him, you wouldn't be as anxious and worried as you are about the future. It could be that you're ignoring God like David. I'm sure he was wondering what God would do when he blatantly disobeyed him, and that should cause you some sleepless nights. But when you actually repent, what you're doing is looking for how God thinks about anything and trying to align your thinking first and foremost with what he says. Then eventually your life gets aligned with that as well. See, when a repentant person changes his mind about sin, then there is a change in life. Now all the changes could be different and they could be slow, but there will be a change. What's important to do is sort out what repentance really is, though. It's not necessarily the change. It's a change of thinking that leads to a change of behavior. And notice the word I used is leads. I'm into a lot of habits already in life. If I'm going to change some of those habits, I may need some time to do that. God knows that. So the difference in thinking could lead to a difference in lifestyle. When a repentant person changes their mind, yes, there should be some kind of demonstration that their mind has been changed. I think in the Bible, we can see an example of somebody who repented in the story of Zacchaeus. That's Luke chapter 19. If you see Zacchaeus, he was a guy that not too many people liked. In fact, he wanted to see Jesus, so he made a tremendous effort to climb a tree so that he could see him while he's coming through because he was a shorter person and he realized that the people that were standing in the crowd to see Jesus probably wouldn't let him in, probably get a lot of elbows. So Zacchaeus went up in a tree, and as Jesus was walking under the tree, he paused, and he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus, and he told him to come down, that he was going to stay at his home that day. Now, that was an honor. Now, that's very interesting that Jesus picked out who the people would say was the most sinful person there and say, I'm going to stay at your home tonight. There's a lot in this passage we don't know. We don't know what Zacchaeus was actually thinking. We do know that Zacchaeus demonstrated what repentance looks like, and we need to look at that. In the 8th verse of the 19th chapter of Luke, it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. So ultimately, the result of the change of mind about sin is good deeds. You see, ultimately, when somebody is truly sorry for what they've done, then they act like they're sorry for what they've done. Repentance isn't sorrow, but I'm not sure how you get to be not sorrowful when you realize what your actions have caused in the lives of other people. However, you can act sorrowful. You can even act as if you're going to take care of the poor and the needy because you cheated them and really never repent. You could be doing that so that it's a stage thing so that people think more of you. You see, repentance again is actually thinking differently. And that thinking differently is going to cause you to act differently. Zacchaeus was one who was basically thinking differently, so he was going to act differently. And that's the pattern that we see all the way through the Bible. James 2, verses 14 to 16 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? It's a very simple statement. It's very easy for all of us to say things, but do we actually mean them? If I tell you that it's important that we take care of the poor and that when I see the poor, I ignore their needs, how important is it to take care of the poor? If I make a statement so I look good, we need to take care of this person, or we need to go over there and take care of that person, or whatever it might be. We need to use our resources to help those in some other country. I'm not sure what I would say. But if I did, but then I ignored doing that myself. I don't really believe that we should do that. So often I've asked people that I've been in the presence of if they love God, and they say yes. And yet, they just went through a, a long period of time where they were telling me about how God has disappointed them, how they're angry with God. And, and my statement to them is simple If you love God, why don't you act like you love Him? If you know God, why don't you act like you know God? That's a question I need to ask myself, and you need to ask yourself. In our lives, when we do things, we need to understand. That we need to do things in accordance with what we actually believe. When we're wrong, we need to readjust what we think. For me to come to Jesus Christ, I need to repent. There's no possible way that I could be in God's family without repentance. But repentance isn't necessarily changing everything about my life at that point. I do need to recognize that I'm sinful and that that sin has a price. That sin isn't justifiable. See, I need to do that. In Questions Got it says, In summary, repentance is a change of mind. But the full biblical understanding of repentance goes beyond that. In relationship to salvation, repentance is a change of mind from an embrace of sin to rejection of sin, and from rejection of Christ to faith in Christ. Such repentance is something only God can enable. As we look at verses in, in John 6:44, Acts 11:18 or 2 Timothy 2:25, 2, which I can read, therefore, true biblical repentance will always result in a change of behavior, maybe not instantly, but in, inevitably and progressively. John 6:44 says, "No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day." Acts eleven eighteen When they heard these things they fell silent, they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. See, they could think differently, and they can begin to adjust their lives. Second Timothy two, twenty four and twenty five. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of truth. Indeed, we need to be those who are good repenters. Repentance, again, isn't necessarily feeling sorry, although sorrow will probably go with it. But it's understanding that we haven't thought correctly. We have to remember that you and I have perspective. And our perspectives can be skewed, they can be a certain way, and We may not understand everything correctly. As we live our lives, God works at bringing us out of the perspective that we have and into the truth or the light. If you've listened to Nighttime, you know I often say God doesn't have a perspective. He doesn't have an opinion. He sees everything the way it really is. Therefore, if God says something and I disagree with what he said, I'm the one that's wrong. So what I need to do is admit that I'm wrong and that's the beginning right there of repentance and getting my life where it belongs. Perhaps I should not only admit what's wrong in my thinking but maybe make a list of what's happened because of that belief system in my life. I do think that if we have hurt other people we need to go to them and talk to them. I also think that Perhaps there are people that are hurt, but they shouldn't have been hurt. And that's a whole different story and a whole different program. But in our lives, since every human being is sinful, there are times that we have done things where those that we love are hurt because of what we've done. Now, we may not be able to correct those things. In the story today, David isn't going to be able to solve the 70,000 people whose lives were taken away because of his sin. He could repent, though, and realize that as the king, as a leader of a country, the decisions he makes affect many, many people. And the repentance part would be, I really need to understand the truth and set my life according to it, or many people will suffer. That that would be repentance. Now, if he really had that mind frame, he would begin to live in a way that demonstrated that he wanted to listen to God. Repentance isn't really a game, it's a lifestyle. Every day we should be reading God's Word and looking for the Holy Spirit to convict us. When I say convict us, I mean teach us a little bit more about things that we've either been ignoring or we're wrong on and we need to correct. We need to be people who are willing to say, I'm not doing it right, and realize that God loves us no matter what. He's never loved us because we've been perfect. He loves us because he created us to be loved. We just need to let him love us. There's our music telling me that the time for nighttime has come to an end. I do thank you for listening. I pray that God will use these moments of reflection to help get your mind set where it belongs. Not on what Dave Wager says, but on what God says. Goodbye for now.